With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. Say go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. We're back on track on the fourth floor in Morris 94. And the Knicks are hardcore. And I'll tell you like this, we ain't never look sharp. You are now listening to the Knicks State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy, and like every week, we're going to start off with our week in review of the New York Knicks. So since our last podcast, Knicks have played three games. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on the podcast before, or, or on our last podcast before the Knicks played Houston. So we kind of gave our predictions, um, and now we can break down the analysis of the game. So we're going to go from how they looked from Houston, then they played Phoenix and Indiana. So Chip, from this past week, what are your thoughts on the New York Knicks? My thoughts are that I was really impressed with the way they played, particularly Porzingis, obviously. Uh, unfortunately, we have to start by talking about the Houston game because that's their yeah. only loss in the past six games. They've won five of six. But uh, we do need to talk about Houston, and Houston gave them a beating, yep. kind of a uh, maybe a much-needed beating because they yeah. did need to come back to earth a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe realize they're not ready to play with the big boys yet. You know, uh, and Houston just dominated them. I mean, just beat the crap out of them. So they gave them a little dose of reality. And I, like I said, it was kind of needed. So, yeah. Uh, but um, James Harden scored, I think, yes, 31 points. And Houston just kind of spread the wealth. They had uh, like six players and double figures and the Knicks only had three. Just Hardaway and Porzingis and Cantor were the only three Knicks in double figures. So, and Cantor had like 12 points. So, and it came down to the Knicks don't have the firepower to keep up with Houston. You know, uh, Porzingis was seven of 18 and had 19 points. And when Porzingis has games like that, the Knicks definitely can't beat teams like the Rockets. So, and the Rockets dropped 119 on the Knicks. So and the Knicks put up a, a 97 spot. So it's hard for anybody to keep up with the Rockets. But if the Knicks are going to keep up with the Rockets, Porzingis is going to have to score 40, and he had a rare off night against the Rockets. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other two games uh, they did win. The first one was against the Suns. Uh, my God, the, uh, the Suns are so bad. Yes, they are. So bad. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, I. So bad, like atrocious on defense. But uh, Porzingis just ate them alive. Uh, what were you going to say, buddy? I was going to say I wish we got to play Phoenix more often on the schedule. <laughs> yeah, oh my, everybody does. <laughs> they're 
they are like a, a G League team. Yeah. Oh, they're atrocious. But, uh, yeah, I feel bad for Tyson Chandler, obviously. Yes. He was one of my favorite Knicks when he was yep. the team. He looks, he looks so out of place on that team. Oh, my God. Yep. It's him and a bunch of young kids who are just clueless out there. And, obviously, I mean, Devin Booker's a stud. Yes, he, he is. He scored 30 in that game. But, man, it's just Devin Booker, Tyson Chandler, and a bunch of clueless guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. So, yeah, I mean, the Knicks won that pretty handily. They were up by, like, 20-something at one point, And Hardaway didn't even have a good game in that one, and they still won big. Porzingis had 37. He just dominated them. So, and Cancer was really good in that one, too. Um and then uh, the Pacer game, <laughs> Porzingis with a career-high 40 points on 15 of 24 shooting. He scored 40 points, and he only made two threes. I mean, it was just the, the difference in Porzingis. I mean, he only took four three-pointers, and he went to the line nine times. It was yeah. just an incredible performance. So... And frankly, Lakina with 10 points on 4-7 shooting, he made a couple threes, and he had seven assists and three steals. Uh, it was a – and the Knicks were plus 12, by the way, with Neil Lakina on the court, which everyone, of course, was talking about. Um, everyone's, everyone loved the plus-minus stat when uh, Neil Lakina is uh, plus after yep. the game. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, – that was a hell of a game. I mean – Obviously, Porzingis was great, and uh, the Pacers had a great offense coming in. I was kind of worried about that, but because uh, Oladipo was top five in scoring, yeah, you know he didn't he didn't play well. He was seven of 21, 17 points. They really shut him down. Yes, they did. So, so there was a good defense. It was a good defensive performance too, where they shut down a really good what was up to this point a really good offensive team. And Miles Turner was basically non-existent yep. in that game. He only, took, he only took eight shots. So, uh, yeah, it was a, that was just a really good all-around performance, and that was a, surprisingly a good win because this Pacer team has actually been playing well for a team that, much like the Knicks, was supposed to be tanking. Yep. So it was two teams that everybody thought was going to be tanking, but, I mean, the Knicks are 5-4 and four and the Pacers are 5-5. Five and five. Nobody would have thought that. So yeah. it was... It was uh, it was a good game, and Porzingis did what superstar franchise players are supposed to do. He had forty points, and the next highest score on the team was Hardaway with sixteen. So he put the team on its back because nobody else was really having too great of a scoring game, and he did what he had to do. Was it the Indiana Indiana game where Porzingis? had that block shot and then ran down the other end of the floor and got the dunk or was that the Phoenix? Oh, no, that was Indiana. That was, that, yeah. that was just unbelievable. I mean, insane to make that kind of play on both ends of the floor. And I, 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 that's, that's the biggest thing that stuck out to me this whole week was just that play and that effort that he gives that superstar effort right there. Um, but I'm going to start obviously with the Houston game. And it's something that we talked a little bit on last week's show. We, we both said that the Knicks are going to fall back to earth against Houston. They're just not that talented when you go up against a Houston team. They just don't they don't match up well with them. It seems like every time that we play Houston, Ryan Anderson just lights us up. 
I mean, oh my God, yeah. it's it's a three point shootout for him. Every time we see Ryan Anderson, he just destroys the Knicks, and it's very very frustrating. And then we gave up. You mentioned the thirty one, the Harden. He had fifteen in the third quarter. So I felt like the other quarters they didn't do terrible against them, but the third quarter that's when they started to pull away when when Harden got hot. You know, I would like for the Knicks to be more competitive in those games, but I also understand at the same time it's very difficult for them to be. But, you know, when you're playing the better teams, the better tier teams, you, you want to see how your team performs, performs against them. You want to see, you know, just exactly how they st- they stack up. So it was a little bit of a disappointment for me, even though I kind of felt like that was coming. I, I felt like they were going to get their butts handed to them, and they did. Now, to their yeah. credit, once again, they bounced back really nicely on Friday against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, this was a game that I was able to follow. You know, I was working at the, the radio station of Fox Sports Spartanburg, and we were covering high school games in the playoffs, so I, was, I had to do the live tweeting for, for uh, Fox Sports. But on the you know phone right next to me, I had the Nick game up, so I was able to kind of go in and out of that one. And that was a game that the Knicks really just totally had control from start to finish. As you mentioned, Phoenix is just – they're terrible. Uh, it's, like you said, a G League roster out there. And trust me, I know what that's like. When Camelo Anthony got shut down a few years ago, the New York Knicks had a G League roster. So I know all about that, and that's very painful if you're a fan of that organization to watch. It's it's not fun at all. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned Tyson Chandler. I, I hear people say that Tyson Chandler is overrated. He's not any good. He's playing for a terrible team. I yeah. bet you if Tyson Chandler finally gets traded or they just release him and he goes to a team that's contending, he would help them tremendously. He's still a very Absolutely. productive player. He'd be a huge asset. Exactly. He, I have a feeling he's going to be one of those big waiver claims uh, that we see usually in the second half of the season. I, I think he's going to be somebody's team uh, or addition to a team that is looking to make a, a serious run for the championship. Um, and, and like you just said, he, he would be a seriously good addition to a team. Uh, he's a leader. And it's a shame that he's playing for such a bad Phoenix Sun team. Uh, but that game, not really much to, to talk about other than the Knicks went out and did what they're supposed to do, beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Years past, that's a problem for them. You know, they, they somehow would find games or find a way to lose some of these these games that they should win. So we're actually now starting to see that they're beating teams that they're supposed to. and. That's nice. That can set you up for those games where you're not expected to win, but you somehow pull out a victory, and that gets you in the right direction. Now, that Indiana game on Sunday, I saw our Nick team in the first three quarters refusing to play defense. I felt offensively all night that they got the shots they wanted. Uh, they didn't look awful offensively. They even got some transition buckets. But defensively, they were awful. And it was 19 points in the third quarter, and I just kept saying, you know, we got we got to try to trim this lead down, get it to about 10 by the end of the third quarter, 
you know, just keep knocking it down. And to the Knicks' credit, they did that. I'm going to give a huge shout-out to Coach Jeff Hornacek. Again, I think Hornacek does such a great job that he doesn't care who you are. If somebody else is giving the team the better chance to win, he's keeping them out there. I see, like, Jared Jack wasn't terrible offensively, but he wasn't having the same impact defensively as Frank Nielakina was. So in that fourth quarter, we got to see a lot of Frank Nielakina and also Lance Thomas. And I was fine with Lance Thomas being out there because, you know what, we, we talked about it on the show before that sometimes it's five on four when he's on the floor offensively. But he showed some offense ability by attacking the basket, got a few big uh, clutch floating shots, uh, got to the foul line that kind of basically sealed the deal. But, you know, obviously a lot could be said about Porzingis and his 40-point performance, which was a career high. Uh, just unbelievable the way he's playing. But I, I think I'm going to give a shout-out to somebody who I've been a little critical of, Frank Nielakina. i got to give credit where credit's due. He was phenomenal down the stretch in that game, hit some big threes. You know what? I, I said on the last week's show, every time he shoots the ball, I say, no, 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 no. This week, watching that game, I have no problem shoot, watching him shoot. Why? Because he shot the ball with confidence. He didn't hesitate. He got into his shot, released it. Everything looked pretty good. I think that kid stepped up. He grew up a little bit, you know, just being 19 years old and, and playing at the NBA in crunch time. I was very impressed. Now, again, I think people get overly excited. We start the debate that we should start him and he needs to be out there more. He's not ready for that, folks. He's not. As a rookie, you're going to go through ups and downs. The last game, he was awful. He did not have a very good night. I think it was against Phoenix. He, he was the one down spot in that game. He struggled. Bounced back nicely. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs from Frank Nielakina. But he was huge on Sunday night and really helped the Knicks win. And, I mean, I was very impressed. And then to kind of wrap it up, uh, it was Przingis who was being interviewed after the game. And I loved what he said. And it got a huge roar from the crowd uh, when they were asked about, you know, how the Knicks were able to turn it around and win that game. His answer was, well, we just played like – New Yorkers, the New York mentality. We played tough. We, we grinded, and the whole crowd erupted because that's what I've been talking about so much on the show of this Nick team being so soft. Well, on Sunday, they weren't soft when it came down to business. They, they played awful the first three quarters, but I couldn't agree with them more. They came out with a totally aggressive defensive mindset in the fourth quarter. It helps out their offense. And I saw some grinders out there, and I was very, very happy with that win. Uh, But with that being said, we are going to move on to our second segment, which would be about Eric Bledsoe. He finally was traded not to the Knicks. He's going to Milwaukee. So we're going to talk about did the Knicks make the right decision by not trading for him. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everybody. Matt Castillo here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at NYKSOM Podcast or on our Facebook page at the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now, Eric Bledsoe. As we all know, 
frustrated in Phoenix, wanting out. The Knicks had some interest, or a lot of people speculated that the Knicks had interest and that they were talking to work out a deal. Um, they didn't do it, obviously, because they didn't want to have to trade Frank Nielakina. They didn't want to have to trade Billy Hearn Gomez. And Eric Bledsoe is now off the market because the Milwaukee Bucks have made a trade for him. They, they traded a first-round pick and Greg Monroe for the rights to own Eric Bledsoe. And Chip, I'm going to ask you, do you think the Knicks lost out on not acquiring Eric Bledsoe? I don't think that they missed out on Eric Bledsoe because the Bucks gave up two first uh, or a first round pick and a second round pick, two draft picks, and a team like the Knicks shouldn't be giving up any picks. You know they're rebuilding. The Bucks are obviously going all in because they think that the Cavs are vulnerable right now, and they may even think that the East is winnable. Yeah, you know with. Uh, with Beledso, the Greek freak, uh, Malcolm Brogdon still there. They got Shabari coming back, Middleton. They may think they can take down the Cavs even in the playoffs. I don't know. But um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a smart trade for the Bucks to do that because like, their first-round pick is going to stink anyway. Whether or not they had made that trade, it was going to be a low first-round pick. But now it's going to be an even lower one. And plus there's protections on it anyway. It's not even an unprotected pick. But, uh, yes, the Knicks made the right call not making the trade because as much as I was advocating for it, I would not have done it if there were picks involved. I said I would have done it if it was Billy Hernan Gomez. Billy Hernan Gomez and Courtney Lee, Mm -hmm. something like that. I would have done that. I wouldn't have traded. The two things I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have traded Frank for picks. And obviously... Phoenix wasn't willing to do it without picks, so the Knicks made the right call by not giving up picks. That was a smart move. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, look, when we talked about the Eric Bledsoe speculations a few weeks ago, we both said we would want a player like Eric Bledsoe. I took it a little bit further saying I would consider, really consider trading Hernan Gomez and Frank Nielakina for an established point guard but I think when it's all settled and done, I, I'm not mad that the Knicks didn't trade those guys. The more I think about it, and kind of like what you just said, if they would have took Courtney Lee and if they would have took Hern Gomez, that's a deal that I would I would gladly, um, you know, make with them. Frank Milikina, it was more speaking out of frustration that I haven't got a chance to see him yet. Um, so I, I'm. That's why I'm not a general manager. Um, not totally changing my opinion about him all for over a few games, but I, I can see why the Knicks were not going to trade him because they want to see what they they got from this uh, their first round pick this year. So far, he's had his ups and downs. Um, the last game, as we just mentioned in the last segment, looked really well. And look, I, I do think the Knicks do need a star point guard. I think that that would help take them further. I, I don't think Neil Aquina, even if he develops, I don't see him ever becoming a superstar, but I'm starting to see more that you know he has a, a spot on the team because he can impact the game defensively. You hear about it. You hear about how good he is defensively, but when you actually get to see it, my goodness, he, he's really, really good defensively. 
make smart plays out there, uh, very aggressive in passing lanes, but those long arms make it difficult to shoot over. Um, so I think he is a nice piece for the Knicks. But again, I still think they're missing some superstar talent, and I think if you could find a superstar point guard, you're really going to get the best out of like somebody like Christoph Przingis. And we're already seeing Przingis play at a high level. Imagine if we find a guy that can really, truly just set him up. I mean, I don't think anybody can stop him. And I will say that I think Eric Bledsoe would have been a nice addition, but the price might have been too much. So I'm kind of happy the Knicks didn't do that. Again, Bledsoe is a guy that's very talented but very injury-prone himself. He's missed last year. They shut him down because they weren't playing anything. The year before that had an injury and didn't play. Um, so in the end, I'm, I, I, I'm, I can live with it. Uh, let me ask you, though, Chip, do you, do you like the trade that Milwaukee made with them? Do you think they gave up too much or do you think it's, that was just right? I love the trade for Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave up a guy. First of all, they gave up a guy in Monroe who Phoenix uh, probably isn't even going to keep. I, I just read from uh, Woj that Phoenix is working on buyout talks with them. Okay. So, and it's uh, the last year of his deal. Uh, Milwaukee certainly wasn't going to re-sign him. He was out of the rotation pretty much, and Jason Kidd has never really liked his game. Yeah. So, yeah. So. It, Monroe was a total uh, non-starter. It was about the the pick was the only thing probably that gave them any uh, hesitance towards the deal. But even that, yeah, like I said, with Bledsoe, I mean they're going to be they're a top at least top four team in the East, and probably in my opinion top three. It doesn't look like the East. Look, this makes the East even better. So mm-hmm. or better. It, it makes the East more legit in yeah. my opinion. So Yeah, I agree with you there. I I, I will say I I agree with you that the I don't think they gave up that much. Even they, they gave up a first round pick, but Milwaukee it's already built with young talent. They're only gonna get even better when they get Jabari Parker back around February. Yes. Um so yeah, I agree with you. I think Milwaukee is definitely gonna be knocking at the door for possibly the top spot in the East. Do I think they'll be the top spot in the East? No, I do not. Um, but they're going to be there. They're going to be there at the end of the year. Um, and again, they're only going to get better when Parker comes back. I think they can afford to do that, this kind of move. Obviously, like you mentioned, they didn't really like Monroe or Jason Kidd didn't like Monroe. And he didn't fit their system. He's not a very good defender. So he, no. he's not touching the floor. They gave up that first-round pick, and as I just mentioned, they have good young talent already. They can afford to give away a, a draft pick. In the terms of the Knicks, again, we, we're not in a position to give up a first-round pick. It, that would just not be smart. I don't know if that's maybe something else that Phoenix was asking for. You know, The reports are saying Neil Aquina and um, Billy Hearn Gomez – but possibly it could have been more. They might have been looking to squeeze a pick out of the Knicks. The Knicks are not in that kind of position where yeah. they can give up a first round. But we need all the first round picks that we can get. We need all the draft picks that we can get. So when you match it up from seeing what Milwaukee gave up, they they can afford that. It was a good deal for them. They're getting a, a 
really good point guard. They already have some strong guard play from Brogdon and um, uh, Della Vendova. So they're getting more depth. And, I mean, the Greek freak plays some point guard too. So they can afford it. We can't. We can't. So in the end, I think the Knicks did the right thing once again. I know I really want a point guard. I can't explain that. How much I just want the Knicks to have a point guard because that position has basically been a ghost. If you think back to our segments in the offseason, the the Knicks' ultimate team, when we picked our point guard, me and you, Chip, we picked Walt Clyde Frazier. He last played for the Knicks like in the 70s. Since then, you know, we had Mark Jackson maybe and Stephon Marbury, but it's a position that never seems to actually fully get just filled where we could say we got a franchise point guard for the rest of his career. It hasn't happened. Um, so selfishly, I want it. But when you think about about everything that the Knicks, the, the kind of state the Knicks are in right now, I think it's a smart thing that they didn't do this trade. Um, but that's all the time we have for this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Christoph Porzingis because – I don't know if you guys noticed, but he's pretty good. What did you say, Chip? Pretty good? He's all right. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just all right. Well, I got some stats to show you just why he's all right. It's actually just one stat, but it just blew my mind when I saw it. Um, So we'll get into that in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. So we talked about it before the break. We're going to talk about Christoph Brzingis and his dominant start to this season. And I know we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast because – you know, right now the big story is Przingis. He's playing better than anybody I think thought he would. We talked about him several times in the offseason. Me, me and Chip both felt like he was going to have a, a big year. It's a big third year for him in this league. He's going to have to step up, and so far he has done that. But the numbers he's posting up right now to me are just mind-blowing. Um, and Chip, when you just watch what he's doing right now, are you just blown away? Because I know we talked about it that he was going to be solid, but do you think a guy that's scoring 30 points every game besides two, would would you have said that's what Przingis is going to do this season? No, I didn't. I knew he was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be this fast. I mean, he's second in the league in scoring right now yep. behind the Greek streak. Uh, he's third in the league in blocks. He leads the league in usage percentage. You know, he's immediately taken over as the number one guy. He's fourth in uh, PER. I mean, he's uh, he's tied for third with Boogie Cousins in uh, field goal attempts. You know, uh, he's taken uh, three fewer shots than Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I yep. mean, he's taken more shots than LeBron. <laughs> I mean, he's really, he's embraced this number one guy role so much quicker than I thought he'd be able to. Uh, I've, I've just been so surprised by that. And 
so impressed by that. I think everyone has. And the fact that he is doing it without being so reliant on the three-point shot, I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now, he's not even in the top 20 in three-point attempts. So, I mean, Tim Hardaway is 60, he's taken 75 of them, and we know how much he struggled this year. I won't even get into that. But, uh, yeah, it's just been incredible. You know, I said he's second in the league in scoring. He's an MVP candidate. Fans are chanting MVP when he's at the line. Yeah. I, I, I thought he, like we said, I thought he was going to be good, but I didn't think he was going to be an M- I thought he was going to make an all-star team. We agreed on that. I didn't think he was going to be an MVP candidate yeah. this year. I yep. don't think anyone saw that coming. But, wow, this is, like you said, 30 points every night pretty much. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned MVP candidate because a few weeks ago that was one of the things we discussed. I, I said, Chip, do you think he could be a MVP candidate? And we both said, I don't know if he can do that. We expect somewhat of a drop-off. And, I mean, look, it's nine games into the season, so that drop-off still could happen. But the way he's playing right now, it's not showing any signs of that. And we mentioned no. that he's not settling for threes. He's showing a post game. I mean, he's shooting six, seven feet in the lane. Everybody's trying to block his shot. They can't, so they're smacking him on the arms. That's what he needs to do. Use your size over those defenders. Get fouled. Get to the line. That's what he's doing so well this year. And I, I mentioned right before the break, I have a, an interesting stat to share. And this is from one of uh, somebody that follows our Twitter page. And I, I thought it was an amazing stat. You, you, he says, list of NBA players averaging 30 points a game, shooting 50% from the field, 80% from the free throw line, and two blocks per game this season. You ready for this list? It's just Christoph Rzingis. Nobody else in the league is putting up those kind of numbers. Shooting 50% from the field, that's efficient. That is very, very, very efficient. While scoring 30 points a game, hitting 80% of his free throws. I mean, that's amazing. Those are MVP-type numbers. And... I mean, I mentioned the the play earlier in this show where he blocks a shot, he runs down the floor, throws down a monstrous dunk. You don't see too many players capable of doing that. What he's doing is is mind-boggling right now. I mean, I I don't remember what player was asked, but somebody said, are you surprised about what Przingis is doing on the floor so far this year? And the response was, not anymore. I mean, nobody, they they just know his greatness. We're seeing just something that I didn't think was going to happen. I didn't think Przingis was going to be playing at this high of a level. We thought he was going to be good. We said he's going to make an all-star team. But the MVP voting is something, and I know it's nine games in, but he's in that discussion as of right now. He's early, in my opinion, one of the early favorites to do it. Um, I will say, you know, it's still a long season. Can he maintain it? Because this guy has to do everything. Now, the Knicks are playing pretty good. The supporting cast has been there some. 
Uh, Canner is playing outstanding. Uh, but some of these other guys have other players around them that sometimes can take the load. Przingis is going to have to do a lot. So there's that wear down of constantly having to be the guy, constantly having to put up that many shots each night. Will that affect them? We will see. And, you know, I, I just think even right now, as we mentioned, that I don't think too many people thought the Knicks would even be 5-4 and four at this point in the season. Um, and Chip, I'm getting ready to ask you this because something I actually, you know, said on the radio show today because they, you know, they, they know I'm a Knicks fan. They give me a hard time about it. Um, and they asked how my Knicks are doing and I give them a, an update. I said, we're five and four. And I think that's the sixth spot in the East. So I say the NBA is season's way too long. 82 games. They should stay. You know, block out a whole lot of those games, end the season right now at nine games. You know why? Because the Knicks would be in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Nine games. End it. That's good enough. Let's stop right now. Cleveland won't be in the playoffs. Milwaukee won't be in the playoffs. See? Knicks would have a chance to compete for something. Um, Obviously, just kidding. But what I want to ask you, Chip, is the last few years, we've seen this Knicks team, even though when they're not expected to do much. But even though they're not expected to do much, we, we see them get out to these fast starts. Right around Christmas time, though, we see them struggle. So my question to you, Chip, is are we kind of seeing the same thing happen again? Do you think that Knicks can maintain being competitive? Or, or do you think what we've seen the last two years especially, do you think there will be a drop-off at some point from the Knicks? I think this is a different team. Uh, like I, I hate to pile on Melo, I really do because especially because he's not here. But now that there's a different leader, a different guy in charge, different number one option, I think there's just a new energy with this team, and uh, I just feel like no, that like you said, the last two years the starts were eerily similar. You know, like there was a reason for promise, no reason for hope, but uh, not like this. (laughs) It wasn't like this. You know, we didn't have a a budding superstar on the team. You know, we had a a Carmelo Anthony. We had a superstar who was on the decline, and we had a nice young prospect. So, no, I think this year is different, and we have something to be – hyped about for many years to come. I think this is a team that is going to be, you know, competitive. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to like fall back to earth and be, and win like 20 games, but, uh, or 20, I think, look, I think they're going to be hovering around 30 win mark. I'm not in the camp that I'm not in Rob's camp that they're going to win. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be hovering around the 30 win mark. But uh, I think they're going to be competitive. I don't think they're going to get embarrassed on a nightly basis like they have been the last few years. So I think that, and I think that's an accomplishment. You know, they gave up, they packed it in, they gave up a lot last year, and that was the biggest disappointment. Yeah, I just flipped the game on now. They're playing Charlotte. Uh, right now, it's very early in the first quarter. They're down 5 2, um, now 7 2. But. You know, look, I, I hear what you're saying. That it is a different team. I think they 
different mindset for sure. We got also got to consider the fact that the Eastern Conference is not as strong. Um, basically, at the beginning of this year, or it'd be in the off season, I would say no way, no chance for the playoffs. I'm still not going to say they are guaranteed a playoff team. I mean, it's nine games into the season, but it's sparking that hope that maybe this team will be better than I thought or anybody thought. So it's fun to watch them right now. Um, But with that being said, we are going to wrap up the show and we'll be back next week for another episode of the next state of mind podcast.